It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Of course, you're home for Wizards basketball uh, tonight, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock the tip time. But a new head coach, that's the story of the day. And joining us to talk about it is Ava Wallace of the Washington Post. And, you know, Ava, we did our usual game day routine yesterday. We had Dave Johnson on the show. Dave and I are yucking it up. Uh, it's, it's a good time, as good as you can have in this kind of season. We're, try we're trying our best over here. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a back-to-back, -back, I wake up this morning to Wes Unsell being relocated. Like, obviously, there's the record as to why this is happening. But can you give us some kind of greater context of, like, what it's been like with the Wizards this season and why you think now is the time that uh, Will Dawkins and Michael Winger make this call? Yeah, I do think the timing is the most interesting part of this. But as for the why, um, it, it does in a way, make a little bit of sense to me because talking to players this season, talking to assistant coaches, kind of everybody around the team, there are, and I know this is this is unbelievable because of the record and because of especially the way they were just getting absolutely hammered, um, particularly earlier in the season. And like even in those two games in Cleveland to start the year, um, the Wizards have not been competitive, which is odd because they have kind of been individually doing pretty well. Like you could go down the list like, Kyle Kuzma has been a much more consistent scorer this year. Corey Kispert is doing the right things, even if they're not coming up on paper. Denny Avdia is notably better. Bilal Koulibaly is kind of better than expected. So it's kind of like, why isn't this working out on paper? And why can't we kind of put this together as a team? Um, and the players themselves have kind of been wondering that. Just in conversations I've had with them in recent weeks, something that's come up is like, a lot of guys saying this is the best locker room they've ever been a part of and and something that has the most chemistry. And so a lot of guys then say, you know, you look at teams across the league that have good chemistry and none of them are losing like we are. So something is wrong here. And um, to me, just looking at it, you know, the eye test, there's definitely a lack of accountability. There's a lack of accountability on defense. There are things like when players do things wrong in the game, they don't get yanked. They just stay on the floor. And some of that is roster construction. You know, West Ham Jr. didn't have an abundance of defenders to work with, for example. But some of it was clearly like, okay, maybe this team needs a new voice or needs a new leader. Um, and again, not saying the lack of competitiveness falls completely on West Ham Jr.'s shoulder, but I do think the Wizards are kind of searching for an answer here. No, without question. And I went back this morning and listened to my interviews, or at least parts of them, with Wes Unseld and Will Dawkins from the preseason. And there was a couple of clips I was trying to find. And the one that I was really trying to find out from Wes was I remember asking him, like, what's his definition of success? And I'm glad you used the word competitiveness because that's the word he used. And he's like, we have to be getting better and we have to compete. And, and I think you look at how many times they've been blown out this year and the number of gigantic leads that they have blown. And even if you know you're not going to win a ton of games and all of the structural challenges they face, I I did start to wonder about a month ago, like kind of that Toronto game where they blew just the, the I think that's the biggest one they've blown this year, uh, certainly in the, the shortest amount of time, where I was like, I don't know if he's actually going to last the year. For you, was there any kind of turning point where you went from like, okay, this is part of the, this very painful and long process to like, there might be a change in this process. Yeah, it, it's come very recently, honestly. I, I'm not going to pretend like there was a big sign that this change was coming. There weren't. I think a lot of people, I think most people were caught off guard, especially just with the timing of this, like you said, the middle of a back-to-back. -back, they kind of almost caught a break with, with the Bucks uh, firing Adrian Griffin earlier this week. I wonder if some people think that this is a usual thing to fire coaches midseason uh, that that are either in a rebuilt season where winning 
supposedly doesn't matter or have a winning record like Griffin did. It is not. This is weird. <laughs> this is <laughs> uh, weird. It's just plainly weird timing. Um, but it, just conversations kind of recently and like you, you're in the locker room and you hear something like Kyle Kuzma said the other day where he said, you know, playing hard isn't always the answer. Playing harder isn't always the answer. I feel like we've had good energy. Maybe something else needs to change. So that's only recently. And, and I didn't follow up and say, are you talking about West Onsville Jr.? So I, you know, that's me uh, kind of interpreting there. But um, it's only recently that players have started really being like, we actually are improving and we actually are getting better. So you kind of start, you know, going down the list of like, okay, where are the problems here? Obviously the roster is the biggest one. You, you need to have players who understand and, and want to play defense. But, um, you know, when, when you have your main player and Kyle Kuzma start talking about, you know, we haven't changed anything all year and maybe it's time to start making some changes, you start thinking like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. That, that, I, can, I can see that. Ava Wallace, Wizards beat reporter for the Washington Post, is with us. So let's unpack that a little bit more because I do think like the last two weeks they've been a little bit more competitive. Um, you know, and part of that is like since the trade for Bagley, like part of their fundamental problem with the roster is yes, they have bad defensive players all over the place, but they didn't have a second big. And when Gafford was hurt or even when he was there, when he went out of the game, like they were screwed. Bagley comes in and, and you know, some of the insanely bad stretches they would have where they just didn't have an answer go away. And as you said, it did feel like they were improving. So where is the disconnect where there is improvement, but it still feels like the right move when it's like, oh, because you, like, you can make an argument based off that, right? That, oh, things are changing. But mm-hmm. why, why is that still then the right move? And kind of that other stuff you're hearing in the locker room where, where these two seemingly opposite narratives are happening at once. Yeah, I think that's also a good kind of central question. And the thing that I kind of have landed on it in, in my mind and just talking to people this morning is that this is kind of the flexibility you're afforded when you're at square absolute what square negative one of a rebuild. <laughs> I think you could go two ways with this, honestly, where you say, okay, well, winning and losing weren't supposed to matter. So why all of a sudden do they matter? I, I don't think it's necessarily the record that has wrangled a lot of people, although that certainly um, plays a lot into this definitely but it's it's just the fact that like you said it's it's they're not competing it's not games like last night that got West Huntsville Jr. relocated as you said where they actually do pretty well against the Timberwolves and it's like okay well you're not going to overcome 21 turnovers um, it's the fact that they were just getting blown out and I, I don't know if it's necessarily um, it, I think I do think what I went back to is like they don't have their big strong number one guy like Kyle Kuzma is doing his best right now he doesn't have a ton of help um but these players don't hold themselves or don't account for each other's weaknesses on defense the way that they can show they have on offense um that's something that's missing where you're going to see individual growth and maybe guys not playing together as a team or understanding how to play team defense uh, coupled with the fact that like they're in a place in this organization's rebuild where they can say hey let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks and I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily know if if Michael Winger is being that casual about this, but I do think there's kind of a, uh, that's kind of the methodology of this is working, this is working, this is working. Okay. So what haven't we tried yet? Maybe someone at the top needs to go. Um, I think that's kind of what you're seeing here and the flexibility they're being afforded and in, in the status they are as an organization right now. Ava Wallace, Washington post is with us. Okay. So a couple of 
other key things that I want to hit with you uh, as someone who knows his team inside and out like you do. Uh, first thing would be one last kind of roster adjacent thing, which is there's no question the biggest disappointment this year has been Jordan Poole. The hope was he would come here, he would turn around the just horrible year that he had on and off the floor last year in Golden State gets flushed. He turns back into the guy that helped them win a championship in Golden State two years ago. That has obviously not happened. How big of a part of his lack of turnaround do you think leads to this decision today? I don't know how much there's a one-to-one correlation just because there are, you know, I I would say for certain if you weren't seeing um, any growth kind of individually, like if if those players I mentioned earlier, the Denny Obvious, the Corey Kispert, Bilal Kulabali, if they weren't seeing any progress, I think that would be a much easier thing to say of like, look, this isn't working at all and something needs to change. I do think Jordan Poole tends to be something of an anomaly just because you remember where he came from, where he was raised, designed to do one thing in a system at Golden State, and he is struggling to do anything else in another system that isn't as specifically designed, where his role isn't as specifically defined um, as it was out there in the Bay. That's something that I don't know if is necessarily as intertwined with the team's issues as the rest of the things we've talked about are today. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say about, about pool, but certainly I, I think you're right to say that like, that is one of the things that has not gone right for the Wizards. For sure. And like you said, um, they have done a tremendous job of, of obviously with Koulibaly and with, with uh, Denny and those guys have all made leaps. So it does seem to be a pool specific thing. And I would say then the last thing on Jordan real quick is coming into the year, I thought he was one of the most important pieces because that's a guy that could, if he turns it around, net you two first round picks in return, if not be a part of your future. Sure. Um, sure. Do they still see him as that? Or is that like, I hate to do this because I, I don't want to commoditize a player and like do this haphazardly, but when the transactional nature of the NBA is Jordan Poole essentially a sunk cost at this point for the Wizards, or does he immediately become a huge priority for Brian Keefe as the interim? Yeah, that's it, it's kind of hard to categorize that. I would say the messaging that is coming out of the Wizards organization is that they certainly still believe in Jordan Poole and they think he can get back to what he was in Golden State, you know, a guy who can be an absolutely nightmare to try to defend and can really disrupt things. Um, he obviously is not a, a natural-born defender and has himself been working on that. Um, so I don't know if they would categorize it as sunk cost. I think one way to measure that is, you know, of course, people on the team, like when I hear something like, oh, yeah, the Wizards still love Jordan Poole and people around the organization and everything. He is. I understand that because he's a great guy to talk to. He works really hard. Yeah. His teammates seem to really like him. Like, he's a part of that locker room in a successful way. Um, you think, okay, do you believe in him? Or is it the fact that, yeah, well, nobody's going to want that contract either and the trade deadline's coming up. So this is kind of what's floating around in the air. So some cost, I don't know, because it's, it's, it hasn't been that long, honestly. Um, and he's clearly still working it out coming over and having a big adjustment year. But um, that's something certainly that I think this new front office will absolutely be measured on. And partly because that was all part of the Bradley Beal, Chris Paul, whatever trade, like they're going to be judged on that certainly. So I think it's a little bit too soon to give a definitive answer on that. Just, you know, it's only been half a season. So right now, not good. Um, I'd be interested to see if they can get some pieces around him to help him and and, and uh, make it work a little bit more. But yeah, right now, not a good situation. Yeah, no, that is something that post-trade deadline, I do wonder if he 
like right now the the priority is like we got to keep Tyus out there because he's gonna be flipped at the deadline. Let's maximize his value. And it's like okay, second half of the season when the guys that are gonna get traded are gone, do you build a lineup that is more pool friendly, if you will? That's something that we'll find out uh, not too long from now. It's only a couple weeks away. Uh, wrapping up with Ava Wallace here on the Hoffman Show, of course, the Wizards beat reporter for the Washington Post. Um, last thing uh, kind of with the current team, and then I want to ask you about Wes and, and kind of his, where he goes. Um, but Brian Keefe is named the interim. Uh, he's got some OKC ties because, of course, he does. Uh, what, what's the Brian Keefe story? And, you know, I, they've already said, like, we're going to do an extensive search in the offseason. But why is he the right guy right now? And, and kind of what can you tell us about him? I think there's a good baseline of trust built up. You know, this is someone who uh, came from the Spurs with Presti to start OKC. You know, he was there in 2007, back when they were still Seattle and kind of was one of the founding members of that organization over there. So uh, Michael Winger first meets him in 2010, I believe, when he starts that job. So there's definitely a level of trust there. Um, the second big part is the second half of this season is going to be a, there's going to be a really big focus on the Wizards' young players. Um, I, you know, they are not that young in, in NBA parlance, but pre-25-year-old players, I'll say. Um, and Brian Keith has, that's kind of his bread and butter. He worked with KD, James Harden. Uh, he worked with Russell Westbrook in OKC and has, has had a huge effect on those guys, for, particularly Kevin Durant. He was with Kristaps uh, Porzingis with the Knicks. He was with Shea for the second time around in OKC. Like, that's kind of what he does. He's been working with Koulibaly all season very closely, um, you know, just with practice at him every day. So I can see if, if that's the direction they want to take this team for the second half of the season, why Brian Keith would be the right choice. But they also believe in him as a schematic guy. So uh, it, it certainly makes sense. And, and he was brought in just this summer coming over from the Brooklyn Nets and players seem to like him. So, you know, seems like a natural fit. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And then last but not least, like Wes gets relocated to this front office role. What's what's that mean, Ava? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Front office advisory role, very mm. specifically. So that there's a lot of flexibility in that advisory term. That is different from signing on for a, a role in the front office where you have a title and a contract and a job. Um, that is a very flexible, nebulous thing that I think um, Winger and Dawkins really genuinely enjoy working with Los Angeles Jr. It's not hard to see why. He's a lovely person, stand-up guy, and he is just an X's and O's. Uh, no pun intended wizard but he's a really good basketball mind so i could see why they would want to keep him around um also a pretty good time to keep ties with the unselled family at this at this moment when uh, monumental sports and entertainment is not super super high in the uh, court of public opinion that would be a, a pretty tough look i think right now with the arena move and everything and, and some factions of the community mad about that so i do think it works on both sides i do not think this means west Sunset junior will never take a coaching or a head coaching job again i think again the flexibility in that role really allows him to say yeah sure i'll stick around work in the front office maybe i fall in love with it uh maybe i will go take the first head coaching job for whoever calls yeah no doubt and they picked up that option as you reported back in october so He's on the payroll, so might as well get something out of uh, get sending him a paycheck. Uh, Ava Wallace, you can read her coverage of all of that, and you'll hear her asking questions of Michael Winger and Will Dawkins in the press conference coming up at 5 o'clock. Read her work in the Washington Post, washingtonpost.com slash sports. Uh, Ava, thank you, as always, on a very busy day for your time. Thanks so much. All right, we'll continue talking about all of this next on The Hoffman Show.